What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another recap show. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate all coming back. Also, share this out as well. Five stars. We're trying to get to a very steep 2,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We may or may not make that, but we need all the help from you guys to try to do that. We appreciate y'all. So... These are how recaps are going to be done the rest of the year, right? Giants get their ass kicked, and I have to scramble for topics to discuss. What what can I say, guys? I mean, I literally, if you think about it, my prediction was not too far off. Because you minus nine on each side, my prediction was right. I said 40-8, to 40-8, to eight, and that the Giants would score a touchdown down like 28 or 35. They were down 28 at the time, so I wasn't that far off. And the final score was 17-49. That is embarrassing, but not surprising. I mean, what can I say? It's going to be, what can I say for the next few weeks? It literally is. The Giants have been outscored by the Cowboys 89-17, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. 40 in the first game, 49. 89-17. Clap it up for the New York Giants, everyone. And am I disappointed? No. Am I surprised? No. I'm rooting for the losses. But I have to cover this team objectively so that you guys get to see all sides of the game all angles as many as I could provide so the Giants are two and eight I'll read the stats in a minute but the offense couldn't do dick we'll get into that defense they had a good first drive other than giving up some big plays which they pretty much did throughout the entire game no surprise plus the fact that we had scrubs in there in the second half not for the reasons of hey you know, this guy's injured. Actually, no, it was for injuries. Because we had four guys on the defense get hurt. I think it was three, actually. It was um, it was Thibodeau with a concussion. It was Flot with a shoulder. And I think it was Banks with a shoulder. So we had our B squad in there. And we proceeded to give up more points as we went along. So, but... The good thing is, if you're a guy like me who's rooting for the tank, 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 the Giants have the second overall pick in the draft. Now, the Giants will need the Panthers to win one or two games down the stretch and to lose out, which is a tough thing to ask of a team because it's hard to lose very badly like the Giants have been. I know it's easy for some, but it's actually very hard. It's hard to be this irrelevant. It's hard to be this decapitated. So, in that respect, we're going to talk about the big picture stuff at the end, like we always do. But, I mean, I will say this before we get into the stats and everything else. How much more can the team take? How much more can we take? How much more can... You know, everyone else take the coaches. How can 
Mara take this? I don't know. But stats-wise, let's look at that. We'll be quick through it. Tommy DeVito, 14-27, 86 yards, two touchdowns and interceptions. That, I believe, is the second game this season where the Giants have passed under 100 yards, the other game being against the Jets. And, uh, you know, a little surprise there, folks, uh, if you haven't been tuning in. That game was actually close. We almost won that game. Now I remember two games, three games actually now in my consistent memory where the Giants have passed under 100 yards. And I don't remember them doing it with... I think maybe Jones did it last year because he was injured against the Bears and they ran it most of the time, but I'm pretty sure he still got over 100. But he had the Bears-Glennon game, this game, and then the Jets game where they threw for negative 9 yards. Might as well just throwing it backwards. But Zach Prescott had a day. I think this probably was his best game since either the first Giants game in 2021 or that game in 2019 where he just threw all over our defense um, and all that sort of good stuff. You know, uh, Antonio Hamilton, DeAndre Baker, Janoris Jenkins, I think, was still a part of the team. Yeah, Janoris Jenkins was still part of the team. But nonetheless, Dak Prescott, 26-35, 404 yards, four touchdowns, and INT. That one going to Cordell Flott. Cooper Rush, 7-9, 68 yards, one interception. That going to Darnay Holmes. So, the rushing game, Saquon Barkley, 13 carries, 66 yards. Tommy DeVito also behind him at 7 carries, 41 yards. And then Breida, Robinson, Corbin factored in. Giants had 111 rushing yards, 4.8 yards per carry, which is kind of surprising. Moving on. Dallas rushing game wasn't Pollard who was the lead rusher. It was Rico Dodal. 12 carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And that gave me fantasy points, so thank you, Rico Dodal. Tony Pollard, 15 carries, 55 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. And Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb both had rushing touchdowns, which is no surprise. Receiving game for the Giants, well, Daniel Bellinger led the pack at two catches, 34 yards. Then it was Slayton, three catches, 21 yards. And Ja'Shawn Corbin, three catches, 12 yards. For the Dallas receiving game, it was as polar opposite as you could get. Brandon Cooks, nine catches, 173 yards, and a touchdown, 19.2 yards per reception. You know, those are really much college stats. You know, you see guys in college go off for that, you know. The Marvin Harrisons of the world. The Romeo Odunzes of the world. I think that's his name from uh, from Washington. Jalen Polk. You know, those guys go off for those type of numbers. Not, not NFL guys. Not too often, at least. But they had two over 100-yard receivers in this game. And CeeDee Lane was the second one. 11 catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Gallup, two catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Jake Ferguson also caught a touchdown. Um, four catches, 26 yards. You move over to the turnovers. The Giants got two. One was Darnay Holmes, an interception for 11 yards, and then Cordell Flott, an, an interception for 21 yards. So for the Giants on defense, Bobby Okereke led the pack, 11 tackles, a quarterback hit, and no sacks for the Giants defense, which kind of doesn't surprise me. Dexter Lawrence had two quarterback hits. Jihad Ward had a quarterback hit. Tackles for loss-wise, Raheem Nunez-Roches had one, and Michael McFadden had one. We move over to the Dallas defensive side, and of course it's always going to be packed on that era. 
Um, five sacks for the Dallas defense, Neville Gallimore, Sam Williams, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, and Demarcus Lawrence. Tackles for loss, Mozzie Smith, Neville Gallimore, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, Dante Fowler Jr., Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Osa Digizuwa. And then the quarterback hits, you got Demarcus Lawrence, one, and pretty much all of these are one except for Neville Gallimore with two. Mozzie Smith won, Dorrance Armstrong won, Sam Williams won, Dante Fowler won, Demarcus Lawrence won. Also, Jerron Bland had an interception. Um, I didn't even know about that interception, to be completely honest with you. But Jerron Bland, that's what, five interceptions on the year? He's a pro bowler. Um, first downs split in half. The Cowboys, 32, Giants 16. Giants had five passing first downs. 19 for the Cowboys, 12, first, uh, 12 rushing first downs for the Cowboys, 7 for the Giants. First downs from penalties, 4 for the Giants, 1 for the Cowboys. Uh, third down efficiency, the Giants were 0 for 12. I can't remember a team being that bad on third down. Like, that's crazy. I know the Jets are a bad third down team, but the Giants have to be one of the worst. 6 for 12, the Cowboys were on third down. Fourth down efficiency, the Giants were 2 for 3, the 1, you know, in the red zone. Uh, Cowboys 1 for 2 on fourth down, again, in the red zone. And total plays, they had 22 more than we did, 77 to 55. Giants on the 55 end of that. Um, Moving forward, red zone attempts, Giants were 2 for 4. Cowboys 6 of 7, 7 trips into the red zone, that's crazy. Uh, Two penalties for the Giants. The Cowboys, nine penalties for 83 yards. Didn't impact them much, obviously. Turnovers, the Giants had one, two for the Cowboys. And 37-21 to 22-39, that was the time of possession. So, this is, of course, you know, sort of an outlook type of thing, if you want to consider it that way. The Giants' offense is not going to look good for the rest of the year. I think we all know that, right? And the thing with that is they also are not going to look better until Tyrod Taylor returns, which is going to happen. I'm telling you guys right now, I don't think Tyrod's going to be out the entire season. I think they're going to bring him back. And I honestly don't know what the offense is going to look like. Like, I think, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll look at two different games from Tyrod Taylor. And I'm not talking about the Bills game. I'm going to leave that separate. You have the Jets game and you have... The game against Washington. Now, Washington, if he were to come back against Washington, I'd say the Giants win. The Giants are not winning against Washington next week. I think we know that. Um, but DeVito's playing, all that sort of good stuff. So he had the win against Washington, and the Giants still couldn't execute on a lot of drives there. And then against tougher defenses, the Bills and, you know, the Jets. Giants could do anything. Nothing at all. So you wonder whether the Giants can actually stack some wins together, not against, you know, actually, better yet, in terms, something that I wouldn't want because I don't want the Giants to win, but I do want them to be competitive. I know that's two sides of the coin. You can't necessarily do all that sort of good stuff all in one. I mean, you could, but, I mean, because you'd be going out the Joe Judge way. Essentially, if you're not competing in games... And you're not having a competitive offense. Like, if you were to ask me right now, 
do you think the Giants are tanking? I'm going to say yes, but I'm also going to say no. Why am I going to say yes? Because some of these play calls, the fact that they have they didn't make a switch from DeVito to Barkley in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter when the game was over in the second quarter too, just tells you that there's not really an urgency to win games. Just my opinion. Now, I get it. It, but I'm not saying players tank. Players don't tank. Like I mean, I know that players obviously have a high salary and all this other good stuff. Um, but I think coaching staffs do have a tendency to tank sometimes. I do think front offices do tend to have that mentality. Ownership, I don't know if they're in on it. I don't. I personally don't buy that they're in on it. Strictly because I think Mara would try to oppose any sort of tank, and that would hurt his pockets, which you know is understandable. But you gotta, you know, you gotta think to yourself, what's better for the future? Is it the Giants winning some meaningless games down the stretch and ending up with the fifth pick or the seventh pick overall, or is it they lose out, get a quarterback, and just move? And they could also trade back from one. That's what a lot of people are missing out. Is like, hey, you know, if Caleb Williams comes out or he doesn't come out, you trade back from one. You get like, you know, if you trade with the Bears and they get Caleb Williams and you get Drake May, and you could also get maybe an offensive lineman too within that first round, and then you have two seconds, then you could talk about something. But also as well, that's where I blame Joe Shane. You didn't trade Barkley. You didn't trade Adoree Jackson. You didn't trade Xavier McKinney. And I get it. You know, maybe there wasn't much of a market for McKinney. There definitely was a market for Jackson, though. Like, I don't understand how there wasn't a market. At least get like a fifth or a sixth. You know, people talk about, oh, it's just late-round picks. Nobody cares about those. This, this bull because our starting linebacker, Micah McFadden, he's a fifth-round pick, and he is playing at the top of the level on defense, and so is Bobby Okereke. You know what sucks, though, and we'll get into this defense in, like, maybe a few minutes, is that you can't really evaluate the defense in these games because the offense is so bad, they give it back to the defense, and then they just score 70 points. So that's what sucks about it. It really does, but... Barkley, 13 carries, 66 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. I'm glad that they didn't run him into the ground. Um, I don't know what the rushing game would have looked like had it consistently worked, whether it would be feeding Barkley the ball a lot or it would be giving to Matt Breed and Deshaun Corbin. Um, but in terms of that, Barkley's going to keep playing for his contract. That's just my personal opinion. I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, they should sit Barkley and all that. I don't disagree with you. And, yeah, do I think he should have been traded not for, oh, my God, you know, I hate Saquon. No, 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 none of that stuff. But Saquon, I admire the amount of credibility and the integrity he has in terms of, like, wanting to play for this team because this team is garbage. We, we know that. They sucked at the first few games and then decided that they were going to tank. Again, my belief doesn't have to be yours. But he still says, yeah, I want to finish in New York and all this other stuff. So I, I admire the gratitude. Do I think it's going to work out? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball in my hand. Um, and the Giants may do giant things. They may say, hey, listen, we're going to re-sign Saquon. They may let him walk. Those are future videos to be done. But as far as the rushing game goes, I think until Tyrod Taylor comes back, the Giants will be relying on that. And as far as the receiving game goes... You don't have any threats. You really don't. And the wide receiver position, surprisingly, has been the most healthy, I would say. The offensive line's been teeter. Defensive line, if you want to consider just defensive line, has been healthy. Outside linebackers hasn't. Corners hasn't. 
yeah, the wide receiver position surprisingly has been the healthiest. And Shepard was kind of that key uh, veteran, so to speak. And he was signed as a depth piece. But we're going to get into all that in another part of the show. But it's going to be these low receiving games. Giants will probably throw for something like 130 yards against Washington. Maybe they'll throw for more. But 130 yards is honestly my peak. Um, especially when it comes to Tommy DeVito being the quarterback. So that's how the offense goes, honestly. And it's just so tough, man. It really is because with Tommy DeVito, a quarterback, and the offense basically being just a sunk, um, other than Andrew Thomas, you can't evaluate the offensive line. Like maybe you could evaluate JMS one by one. Um, the right side, you really can't evaluate for a long-term prognosis. Uh, left guard, you may or may not. Depends, um, you know, for the people who do their film scouting and film reviews and stuff like that. Tyree Phillips, we know that, you know, he's not the future right tackle. Ben Bredesen, his future is up in the air. Justin Pugh, again. So, it's really tough to, to where the defense knows the game plan. They're going to rush the shit out of Tommy DeVito. Which sacks are on DeVito? Which sacks are on the offensive line? That's the mess we're going to see the next few weeks, folks. That's, you know, we have seven games left. Two against the Eagles, one against the Rams, one against the Saints. I totally forgot about that game. So that's, you know, the Saints are going to be fighting for playoff position because their division is so fucking terrible. So that's like four hard games. Imagine, oh my God, just imagine when this team goes up against Aaron Donald. My God. Tommy DeVito might get killed or Tyrod at that point because it's late December. Pretty sure it's late December or it's actually New Year's. Something along those lines. But that's that's pretty much all I have on the offense. As far as the defense goes, they got two interceptions. One was a key one. One was garbage time. So I'm not going to really count the Holmes interception. It's not because I dislike him. But it's just it's garbage time. Who, who gives a shit? You know, continuing on that note, Cordell Flott had an interception. The Giants had multiple starting corners. Um, Barney Holmes got in. Nick McLeod got in. Trey Hawkins got in. It's just... Another thing, like the offensive line, is it's going to be so tough to evaluate what this defense looks like. You know, are they playing well? Are they not playing well? Are they playing their hardest? All these different things. And you think about it this way, too. You're kind of fucked in ways if you're talking about this tanking mentality and leaving this current team on the field as is. Because if you're Joe Shane, if you're Brian Dable, if you're the front office and you want to declare whether Nick McLeod is a veteran corner that you should keep or Darnay Holmes, he should be. I mean, we all know my thoughts on Darnay Holmes, but also maybe a guy like Trey Hawkins. Do you think to yourself, okay, we need to draft another corner or is it because this team is utter garbage, we're tanking, and the game plan is pretty much tossed out the fucking window at this point? So, I mean, that's what you really have to, you know, think to yourself. And also, you got to think to yourself whether Deontay Banks could be a one because he struggled this game when the game was in contention. CeeDee Lamb, you know, gave a couple of receptions to him, had some really other bad plays. But again, it's going to be that point where they have to see okay, is this guy going to be good for us? Is he going to be this for us? Is he going to be a, someone that's on the roster next year? And honestly, I feel like Cordell Flock could be in that conversation because. Other than a few plays where he was burned, I thought he played well. I think he could be the future starting slot corner on this team as long as there's man coverage um, being played most of the time. But again, you cannot possibly evaluate 100% of the defense when it's being wasted 
because the offense can't move the ball and the Giants are not necessarily trying to win games. Also, I thought the pass rush was non-existent except for Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence was getting in there. He was being held a couple of times. I know everyone was complaining about Thibodeau being held. That's the stuff I talked about, and I get it. Yeah, he was being held a couple times, Tibbs, and he was actually ruled out with a concussion later on in the game, but this is the shit we're talking about. And, and I'm proud of Dex because he's showed up a little bit more against the divisional rivals, and we'll see what happens against the Eagles, what happens against the, Eagles the two games we faced them. We already know what he can do against Washington. But Thibodeau, I feel like he needs to step up. And the Giants, again, have that streak. It's going on two years now where they have not touched Dak Prescott. Didn't get to Cooper Rush. Didn't get to Dak on Thanksgiving. Didn't get to him in the first game. Didn't get to them in the second game. So I don't know what it is that there's this magical thing, you know, aura in the air where the Giants can't touch a Cowboys quarterback worth a shit. But Azizo Jalari, he was non-existent. I mean, he did have that fourth down stop on the first drive. But uh, other than that, no pass rush, you know, ability. No pass rush exhibit. And this is a guy, hey, you know, who uh, second round pick a few years ago. I think the New York Giants got to justify keeping him around, honestly, because I'm pretty sure the cap hit is not too high next year and you could actually cut him. Now, I personally would maybe look for a trade partner because I think Aziz could be a solid pass rusher for a team. And of course, I think it's going to be the scenario where the New York Giants deal him and he goes to another team and he starts you know, getting like five, six, seven sacks a year. But, I mean, would you rather have that or would you rather waste his talent on this team and have him locked down? But, again, I think the New York Giants really need to justify him being on the team next year um, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, obviously, no defensive line partner next to Dexter Lawrence. Ashawn Robinson, Rochez, Davidson, all those guys, they're not really filling the void. I believe Jordan Riley was a healthy and active. Let's take a look. Giants inactives. I'm pretty sure he was, which really doesn't speak to a lot of good things. Um, yeah, Jordan Riley, except for Javarius Owens, was a healthy scratch. And so was Cade York, which is unbelievable to me that this team, that this team continues to trot out two kickers on basically the active roster and make one inactive. Like, you don't need two kickers. And you know what the funny thing is? Jamie Gillen can kick field goals. I think we saw it last year when Graham Gano got hurt. I think it was against the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. And guess what? He kicked the field goal. The field goal was good. I mean, it was like 30-something yards. But even then, it's just the optics of this team are so weird that you have to at least maybe envision that they're tanking. Um, and again, I have never used tanking so many times in an episode, but what are we going to say here and act like they tried? We're going to sit here and act like, you know, they're actually putting out a good game plan. We're going to sit here and act like they can't make changes. Yes, they can, but they won't. So there's that. Um, but Jordan Riley being inactive is just like, what is the point? I'll get to that in a sec. I'll get to that in a sec. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and, you know, gargle up the segment with just one thing I'm going to go over later. So the injuries, Deontay Banks, we talked about, we talked about Kayvon Thibodeau, Andrew Thomas. I'm going to leave that towards locker room and stuff. But we do have the sponsor to go over. That's SeatGeek, folks. So if you guys haven't already, uh, if you're going to a game, 
Maybe not the Giants game. But uh, if you're going to a game, going to a concert, maybe a Taylor Swift concert, whatever else you listen to, or you need parking passes for a tailgate, SeatGeek is your way to go. $20 off with the promo code BIGBLUEINTHEBRONX. Nothing abbreviated, name of the podcast, name of the channel. So we'll go on to the next one, which is the locker room. And this is kind of something I talked about last show. And that and another segment will be our finishers. Let's start with Xavier McKinney and Dexter Lawrence not speaking to the media. I thought it was very weird that everyone was making a big fucking deal about Dexter Lawrence not speaking to the media. Number one, he was one of the guys who showed up. He was one of the guys who showed up in the game. Um, And why would I sit here and blame him for going out for his birthday? I mean, he doesn't speak one week. It's not like he didn't speak for four weeks. He's a guy who speaks to the media. You know, and even then, he had his press conference on Monday via Zoom. So I I don't understand what the big deal is. X-Man didn't. And that just shows you that X-Man is mentally checked out. Which, you know, I I think PFF graded him really well for this game. I couldn't give a shit because my mind is mentally checked out of the Xavier McKinney experience as Xavier McKinney is checked out of the Giants experience. I think he's going to get paid by somebody else. Let him go. That's just as far as that goes. Um, I do want to get into the snap counts real quick before we go on to the rest of the stuff. And let's start with the offense. So for the offense, you got Bredesen, you got Schmitz, you got Phillips, you got DeVito. Those guys, 100% of the snaps. Justin Pugh was injured for a little bit, and then they brought him back in. 98% of the snaps, 81% for Daniel Bellinger, 79% for Darius Slayton, 61% for Saquon Barkley, 60% for Isaiah Hodgins, 56% for Andrew Thomas, Paris Campbell, and Wondell Robinson. Campbell got 30%, 47% for Wondell Robinson, Jalen Hyatt at 30%, Ja'Shawn Corbin at 26%, along with Sean Harlow, who actually played left guard a little bit. Um, Lawrence Cager at 23%, same thing with Matt Breida, 21% for Tyree Jackson, Sterling Shepard at 19%, same with Marcus McKeithen. So uh, it's a lot of lopsided. A lot of lopsided Harlow coming in because the game was over. Hodgins coming in because the game was over early. Uh, Wanda Rob- Robinson being taken out because the game was over early. Paris Campbell getting some snaps. Deshaun Corbin getting some snaps. All that different stuff. And Tyree Jackson being in there, of course, because we don't have an actual blocking tight end to speak of. Defensive side of the ball, Okereke and McKinney, 100% of the snaps. 99% for Jason Pinnock, 86% for Micah McFadden, 72% for Dexter Lawrence, uh, 69% for Jihad Ward and Nick McLeod, 59% for Ashawn Robinson, 54% for Deontay Banks, 53% for Boogie Basham, 51% for Tibbs and Darnay Holmes, 45% for Raheem Nunez Roches, 44% for Trey Hawkins, 41% for DJ Davidson, 35% for Cordell Flott, 22% for Aziz Ojolari. That's interesting to me. That really is. Maybe they were signaling that the game was over or they wanted him to rest because the dude is made of fucking glass. Um, Bobby McCain, 21%. Dane Belton, 15%. And Isaiah Simmons, 15% as well. So, um, moving back to the locker room stuff, there were two separate arguments to be had on the sideline. And one was Shep and Slayton. Now, I don't know what Slayton was arguing with Mike Groh about. It was clearly frustration. 
And there's two sides of it. And Shep obviously came in as the veteran still arguing with Slate and then Dable had to intervene. It's just fucking nonsense. Now, positives and negatives. If you have to take any positives about it, Slayton is unhappy with the way the offense is going. And he's not just lying around. That's a positive because Slayton, you know him as a guy that's very laid back. He's not going to say much. You know, he'll be in support of his team. But he was generally frustrated in his post-game presser. And as far as that goes, man, um, you know, I guess that's a positive. But also the negative is you need to contain this locker room. You need to contain this locker room. It's what it is. It's what it is. You have seven games to go with this roster. And there's going to be a lot of impending free agents. Shep and Slayton, those guys are impending free agents. So whether Slayton likes it here, whether Slayton not, not, doesn't like it here, you got to keep them contained because it's going to boil over at some point. And frustration is going to happen in these next seven games because the offense is not going to be any fucking good. The defense is not going to be any good consistently. And the team sucks. Let's just put it that way. The team sucks. They're tanking, whatever you want to consider it to be. Because if they're not, you know, if they're not tanking in your mind, then they're definitely the worst team in the NFL. As far as I know, in terms of that, man. But as far as Shep and Slayton getting into it in the sideline, on the sideline, I could just say frustration. Like maybe he's complaining about not getting the ball, but look who's a quarterback, Tommy DeVito. And also Saquon having an animated discussion with Brian Dable. I don't remember exactly when that was. I know that some people were tweeting it out. Nobody actually showed footage. Nobody actually mentioned it on the broadcast. So I didn't find that surprising. But I would think that Saquon cleared it up after the game with Dable because that's the guy Saquon is. He's a stand-up guy. He's going to go to work. He's going to do his thing and all that sort of good stuff. So uh, I'm not too concerned about that. But they shouldn't run him in the ground. One of my biggest pet peeves. And I've said this about Jihad Ward. I've said this about Rakim Rochez. Giants players, defenders in specific, celebrating a tackle or a play when they're down by a zillion. The Giants were down by a lot in this game, obviously, and they were down by a lot at the end. But Cooper Rush threw an interception to Darnay Holmes. And Darnay Holmes went to celebrate with Xavier McKinney, Bobby McCain, and Dane Belton. And I know a lot of people on Twitter were going off on this, and, you know, I don't blame them. What I say to that is this. Outside Belton, can you tell me which of those three guys are going to be here next year? Because here's my thing. I think Dable sees some of this. I think Shane sees some of this. If they don't, they're nose blind, they're color blind, they're tone deaf. All those other things, comments you want to say, adjectives. But, I mean, just imagine you're winning a game next year. You're in winning mode while you have a rookie QB. And you're losing a game in a blowout. And the same group of guys you brought back go out there and start celebrating an interception. What's the moral of the story and of my thoughts? Xavier McKinney's not going to be a giant next year. Darnay Holmes is not going to be a giant next year. Bobby McCain ain't going to be a giant next year. And he's probably not going to be going to play on defense either. I think McCain may have been signed to a one-year or two-year deal. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was a two-year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a one-year deal. Bobby McCain. Let's take a look. Uh, one-year contract. So he's on a one-year. I was originally right with my instincts. Celebrating after an interception when you're down how many? 
We didn't see Dex go there and celebrate. We didn't see the defensive linemen go and celebrate. We didn't see some of these other cats go out and celebrate. Jason Pinnock didn't celebrate. Who's those guys who celebrated? Again, outside of Dane Belton. Who's going to be, you know, who's going to be here next year? None of them. And people say, well, you know, they got to celebrate something. No, 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 no. There's nothing to celebrate when you're down like 30. Sorry, there's nothing to celebrate about. Especially the way the defense was getting. If the defense was having a solid game, if it was like 20 to nothing, and the Giants offense was just complete ass, then I would say, okay, maybe you can make some room for it. But the defense got cooked for seven touchdowns. So... Let's get into the final topic, and I definitely will come out with a video about this, so stay tuned during the week. Is Brian Dable on the hot seat, and should he be? Okay, so I'm going to say both no to those questions, but I'm going to go in depth a little bit. I don't think Brian Dable should be on the hot seat. I think that him and Joe Shane have a plan to deconstruct this team and make it their own even more, because you know that Shepard's not a guy that you know, they drafted Slayton. They did bring those guys back thinking that they were going to win this year, but obviously that wasn't the case. They're going to deconstruct this team. And I'm giving Dable and Shane full autonomy to do that. Definitely. Because in the first year, I personally think that there are times Daniel Jones held back this offense. His play wasn't good before his injury and all that different stuff. And I think Brian Dable could return to his form of coach of the year where he uplifted all this garbage talent in year one and they made it to the playoffs. Now, you could argue with somebody or yourself whether it was good for the Giants or not. What I will say is this, though. There are two things that needs to happen in order for Dable to stay off the hot seat and for his seat not to get warm. Number one, as stupid as it may sound, I mentioned this earlier, You need to be competitive down the stretch. Now, I'm not saying competitive against the Eagles. That would be a miracle. I'm not saying competitive against the Rams. That'd be a miracle. Saints, you could probably be competitive against. And obviously, Tyrod Taylor will be back at some point. But if you're not competitive against teams like Green Bay, if teams like the Patriots and teams like Washington, if you're not competitive against them, competitive, that's key word, not winning, competitive. If you're not competitive against those guys, you're going to lose the locker room. That's what I will say. Because, you know, people will say, oh, we don't look at the record. You know, oh, we don't look at the record. You do. You do, though. And you see how other teams are playing. Right? You see that Jordan Love is not this elite starting quarterback. You see that Mac Jones is garbage. You see that Sam Howell has his moments when he's under pressure. Right? And all that stuff. You see that. The defense sees that. The team sees that. Now, the offense is a totally different story because the offense is fucking hot garbage. Basura. Caliente basura or basura caliente. However, would you you know say that in Spanish? But my thing is this. Again, they need to create a set of games down the stretch that they're competitive. You can lose down the stretch, and I would be okay with that, but you have to be competitive. Because again... You will lose guys that will be on this team next year, like maybe a Dex, maybe a Saquon, maybe a Jalen Hyatt. If these are all blowouts, Dable could go. 
he could go. Not saying he will, but he could go. Because of the way the team is playing in games, competitive or lack of competitiveness. And I'll say this. And I know I said I was going to bring it up earlier in the segment. Regarding the locker room. This is more about Dable being on a hot seat and stuff. They need to stop mismanaging injuries. And that has a lot of if ands, buts, half-sided arguments. Because Andrew Thomas, right, gets injured the first game on a, you know, blocked field goal. They go back and score. They still put him in the game when the game is basically over. Then they take him out, and then he's out for X amount of weeks. Then he gets hurt this game is carted to the locker room and then comes back. While I admire Andrew Thomas's you know toughness in coming back in the game, there's no reason he should be in the game. Because if he tears his ACL, he does this, he does that, he's out half of next year. Look how late you are in the season. So those and I get it from a coach's standpoint and an organizational standpoint, the buttoned up crap you got to make it look like you're not tanking or any of that stuff. Um, that's why you're still playing Saquon. That's why you're playing some of these other cats. That's why you're still playing Dex and all that stuff. And I get it from, again, the buttoned-up perspective. But if it's Andrew Thomas, just declare him out for the game. The NFL's not going to check in on that. They won't. They check in if you mismanage a concussion. But for a hamstring injury or a leg injury or whatever he was hurt with, I think it was a knee injury, you don't play around with that shit. And this is not Bobby McCain or this is not Javari or someone's. This is Andrew Thomas, the guy who you just paid, who's going to be the starting left tackle for the next few years. So be careful with the injuries. Be careful with Andrew Thomas. And again, if a guy like Saquon goes out, do not rush him back in. Do not. Because that also will get you uh, fired. It also may have you lose the locker room because people will be like, hey, why are you putting Saquon back in in a meaningless game and he's hurt? That's my thoughts on that. And also, there's two other things that he needs to control. This is at least one of the things more of a after. Number two, he needs just in general to get that locker room under control. All that frustration needs to be kept in-house. Now, I will say, the only one who's opened his fucking fat trap is Xavier McKinney. So you need to get that under control. And you got to keep that in the house. But you got to make sure all the other frustrations don't boil over into this whole locker room is a fucking sewer. My next thing is, which again, more after the year, you got to get rid of a coach or two. You cannot keep the same coaching staff. Thomas McGahee and Bobby Johnson have to go. Bobby Johnson, I know the offensive line is just misjudgeable over the last few weeks, but Thomas McGahee in the special teams unit, got to go, man. Got to go. You got to fire up this team either way because you, again, miss me with the continuity bullshit. You got to miss me with that shit because continuity is only good if your team is good. You know, the Mike Tomlins of the world, the Tom Coughlins of the world, the... I don't know, let's think of another coach. The Andy Reeds of the world. That's continuity. That's good continuity. Bad continuity. Continuity is a word that's thrown around a lot, and it's thrown around for 100% of the time, or at least 99.9% of the time, the wrong reasons. Especially when it comes to the New York Giants. Oh, continuity. Continuity. 
Enough with the continuity. So what? So what? If Bobby Johnson is to come back next year, if T-Mac doesn't. But also this, to end it off. Said this on Twitter. I may have said it on the preview pod, but I'll say it now again. The Giants need to get an evaluation on some of these draft picks heading into next year because there are guys with question marks. I have a list on my Twitter. So let's go into it. We got Jordan Riley, someone I talked about earlier. He's a seventh-round pick. I get it. But the way he was playing in the preseason, he played in that first game, there's no reason, no reason he should not be playing at this point in the season, especially with Leonard Williams gone. Javarius Owens. I mean, Bobby McCain's probably not going to be here next year. Xavier McKinney will not be here next year. Javarius Owens, get him some snaps. He was projected to be a fifth, sixth-round pick. Maybe you get a steal out of that. Maybe he's a special teams contributor. You don't know until you play him. I think he's been active for one game this season. Uh, Dane Belton. Dane Belton was a fourth-round pick. That's still kind of premium. When you look at the draft classes over the years, that's still kind of a premium pick. Still somebody that could be a starter or a role player. And you need to figure out what Dane Belton is. Is he above Javarius Owens? Is he below Javarius Owens? Do they need to take another safety? That's what you got to find out. Jalen Hyatt, I mean, you're not going to really have a a huge amount of, what's the word, results until next year, even with Tyrod coming back. So there's that. Uh, Trey Hawkins with the Dory Jackson usually being out and some weak offenses coming up. Trey Hawkins has got to play, and you got to see whether he gets cooked, whether he's good, whether he's bad, whether he's just a reserve. Again, he was a late-round pick, wasn't expected to jump through hoops, struggled, continues to struggle, and that's that. An honorary two you could throw in, Deshaun Corbin if you like. I mean, I don't know if Eric Gray's coming back. If he does come back, that'd be someone to evaluate, and Gary Brightwell too. Brightwell, I think, is done after this year. And uh, Darian Beavers, honestly. And it's very interesting too. I talked about how the wide receiver core is very healthy. I think that the linebacker core is the inside has been very healthy too. McFadden only missed a game. Okereke's turned on the speed. Simmons is still a backup. Coughlin and Brown, those guys are um, special teamers. Maybe throw in Darian Beavers. I mean, he was a six-round pick. You know, his ACL has to be torn by eh, It has to be torn. Christ almighty. His ACL has to be healed by now. So, uh, you know, maybe you try to salvage that pick. But, again, that's that, folks. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops through drops. Pre-show coming back. We got more content coming for you guys, more live streams. Definitely more Giants videos as we go. I definitely like doing those, the shorter ones. They get a lot of views, and, you know, it's just more relatable to the audience. But we appreciate you guys for sticking in. We'll see you next time. Peace out. (laughs) 